Welcome to the People of PCPS, a Polk County Public Schools podcast. This podcast is dedicated to telling the stories of teachers, paraeducators, support staff, students, volunteers, alumni, and all the people who contribute to Polk County Public Schools. Whether they're working in the school district, learning in our classrooms, or using their education to improve our community, the people are what make Polk County Public Schools great. Let's get to know our colleagues, our students, our neighbors, and our friends, the people of PCPS. Hi everyone, I'm Rachel Pleasant. I'm the Senior Director of Communications for Polk County Public Schools and welcome to the People of PCPS podcast. In the work that we do in the communications office, we meet tons of people all the time, teachers, staff members, parents, students, but we don't always have time to really get into their stories and to learn more about who they are. And so this podcast is dedicated to telling the stories of the people of this organization because we believe it's the people of this organization who make it great. So we've set aside this time to get to know people like our guest today, Christy Igor, who is a third grade teacher at Citrus Ridge Civics Academy. And Christy has a really interesting story about how she became a teacher because she was a parent of Mm -hmm. students at the school Mm -hmm. and then decided to make a drastic life change and become a teacher at the school and she's going to talk to us today about teaching as her practice and then now how her teaching practice has changed in this COVID era. So Christy, just tell us a little bit about your path into the teaching profession. Um, So in 2016, um, Citrus Ridge opened and my children attended and I walked in and I saw this big, beautiful school and I decided, okay, I want to volunteer. And I was working, you know, another, it was a job, it wasn't a career. Um, And I jumped in and I started volunteering a lot. And as I've heard, most schools, they're kind of a rough opening, but I saw that there was a need. Um, And my daughter's third grade teacher, Heather Carlson, was the biggest inspiration, her passion, her drive. And she said, you know, she said, you look like you, you know, maybe you'd love this. And I was like, I think I would. And these kids needed somebody that wouldn't give up on them. And the community needed that. And I decided, you know what, let me get certified. Let me do this. So I spent the from January of 2017 that summer working to get ready. And I started teaching the next year. So you already had a degree. Yes. Correct. So how did you prepare for your teaching career? So, um, what I did is I actually reached out and I found and Heather Carlson herself and there were a couple of other teachers that said here I'll take you under my wing let me show you um, and so we just prepped and I um, took the you know the test that I had to take and then to finish I finally got my professional this last summer because I did the Congrats. ACE program. Oh okay congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So how would you just describe your pre-pandemic classroom? What would it have been like if I had come to your classroom a year ago? What would I have seen? What was was it like being a teacher? Um, So we're really big with um, collaboration. So you would have come in a year ago. Let me just explain last year. So I had actual science tables in my room, and I created big group tables um, and it was a very inclusive, collaborative, interactive classroom. We did a lot of hands-on projects. Mm-hmm. We did um, 
my kids were very self-sufficient. We had groups where um, when we rotated our small groups, I would pull one small group. They would then have partners in another. Um, and then we had technology. And so each child would have a computer for technology in that rotation. Um, we, I mean, I'm, I'm big on being supportive of each other and um, having that build each other up, be open, be transparent, let people know when you need help. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, it wasn't quiet. Mm -hmm. um, and that is completely different than what we have right now um, in my classroom. So what I know, as we were preparing to reopen schools, we there was a lot of attention given to the physical spaces and the precautions we would take there. Mm -hmm. In your classroom, what have you had to implement to keep the children away from each other and safe? It's It's been a lot, but um, I brainstormed a lot. And so what I did is, is I took, um, I call them placemats, and I put them on the ground, and then I put... Um, they are three feet wide away from each other and six feet head to head in front, front to back. Um, I have 12 desks set up right now and each one is like its own little turf, its own little island. It has a three bin cubby drawer. Everything that they would need is in there. On top of that, we have a basket that has their hand sanitizer, their Kleenex, their pencils, um, and their water bottle, because we're encouraging them not to do, you know, use the water fountains. Um, it's very different when it comes to working in small group and centers, because that collaboration piece is so difficult to do. My husband and a dear friend of mine built these um, these dividers out of poster frames. And so I have actually four of those in my classroom and I can actually divvy out a kidney table to hold four children at a time with me teaching on the other side of the plexiglass. Mm -hmm. um, so that's great for the small group, but we can't do the partnering. Mm -hmm. And I feel the kids, they yearn for that. Yeah. Um, but then with technology, we, we work with what we've got. Mm -hmm. um, and they have been amazing about it. Um, I'm trying to figure out how we can do those partners still, like that, that brain is still going. So I'm sure I'll come up with something because I want them to be able to rely on each other's knowledge and grow from that. They learn so much from each other. Yeah. So. So how have you seen them? Granted, it's only been four weeks, but yeah. and you this is a whole new group of kids. You didn't mm -hmm. teach these these children last year, but just based on your just in that four weeks, have you noticed anything about your children, have you seen them have to adapt in some way? Mm -hmm. Like, how have they, this is a life-changing thing that we were going through. How mm -hmm. have you seen that in the classroom? So, it's funny you said that, because I actually had that question asked a couple of days ago. Um, they're empathetic of each other. They're kinder. They, they realize rules actually are not just a rule. There's a reason behind it more. It's, it's like an awaken, awakening. They, um, they realize that when we say the rules, we're doing it for their safety. Um, very cautious. They're very aware. But at the same time, it's how can I help my neighbor? And they, before they act, they think, okay, let me, is my mask on? Is my hand sanitized? It's really interesting to see them go through all of those things that as adults, 
you know, we're used to not wearing masks, but they're so little and they've already adapted. They've, mm-hmm. they've done so well at it. Yeah. Does, mm-hmm. a, does a specific example come to mind of a time when they were trying to help their neighbor, or like you noticed that empathy uh, mm-hmm. without naming names, but it help us paint a picture of our minds? Of- um, so I have a different, I had a group and I was pulling them over and one of my students was helping put the, the barrier up to bring them over and one of the kids was doing it backwards and I saw another student get up put hand sanitizer on and say wait 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 let me show you how to do that instead of you know I'm not saying that it might not have happened that way before mm-hmm. but it was it was a kind and let me turn this around and I I watched the child do the whole thing and then I was like wow and then the other child who had had the the barrier stopped went and got a hand sanitizing wipe came back and wiped the whole area and then they sat down and ready to learn and it was just second nature to them and and it didn't seem like it was a bump in the road it was I don't know it was great that's beautiful yeah do you all talk about the pandemic in your classroom we talk about safety. We don't say Corona. We don't say that. But um, we actually have a little one who started to get sick, and all the kids started to like. And I was like, "Stop!" Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't we don't go to the worst case. We be protect. We we're, we set up a barrier of protection around ourselves. But there's always a chance at everything. And so it's a very lighthearted conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are only seven and eight, right. some nine. Right. So so if you think about these kids that you're teaching today who mm-hmm. are seven and eight and you, in your mind, fast forward to they're 21, 22, do you think that, uh, what do you think the lasting impact of the pandemic could be on this generation? Just, I mean, do you think this empathy will endure? I do. I do. I there's this this part of it where, like I said, the awakening, like they their world is bigger than them, and they kind of have learned that that, you know, this whole wearing a mask. I'm not wearing a mask for my safety. I'm wearing a mask for my friend's safety. Mm-hmm. That idea that I can help others, I think, really will. Even you know, if we have to keep wearing masks next year, it's going to to yeah. continue. That could be a good thing that's come out of all this. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I'm always looking for good. Yeah. What about you as a teacher? How have you, obviously you had to um, design your classroom differently than mm-hmm. you might have the year before, but what about your practice and how have you changed as a teacher through all this and might that endure in some way post-pandemic? So there's that part of me that just wishes it would go back to where it needed to in the sense that I love collaboration with these kiddos. Mm-hmm. And I've got, you know, kids can't partner. And so it's it's horrible to say, but it's exhausting in a sense because what you're used to as a teacher, you can't just fall back on per Mm -hmm. se. And so you're having to come at the and find a solution. Um, So I'm hoping that from this, I remember not to sweat the small stuff. Yeah. And that if I could talk to myself a year ago, what would I, I would say, you know what? Doesn't matter that you didn't get ABC done. You're getting one-on-one time with these kids and and Mm -hmm. growing. And I mean, the average classroom at Citrus Ridge right now has 12 children Mm -hmm. to 16 students. Mm -hmm. That's way smaller than a traditional classroom. Yeah. So we're getting that one-on-one time with them. 
Um, it is hard, but I, I try to look at it as a positive too. Do you think you've, um, I mean, perhaps your use of technology is one, but have you been able to sharpen any skills through this? Is there something you feel like you've gotten better at because of? I think it's given me the opportunity to, I'm actually um, working with a few of my children. It's giving me the opportunity to make smaller groups so mm-hmm. that I can work more on building the foundations of reading. And so that I find myself at home reading and reading and reading more because I find I have the time mm-hmm. to work on that. And I know that sounds, I'm not sure if that really answers it, but. So you're. So you're reading more, and so you're, because just we aren't going out and doing fun things, or we're not, you know, we're more homebound than normal, and so that, you're using that in your practice. Into my practice in the classroom. Okay. So um, I'm just trying to, when you have 22 students, yeah, you have to focus on all of them and all of their needs, and sometimes you don't develop certain areas and this is giving me that opportunity to work on some of those early foundational reading skills with my third graders so I'm going home and I'm looking for you know best practice and stuff like that and then I go in and I'm able to even though we're in week four yeah already able to put that in place so because you have fewer students in the classroom Mm -hmm. and then just in your own life Mm -hmm. we're slower right I got it okay Mm -hmm. and so have you seen that work pay off at all already even though granted it's only four weeks but do you see okay believing in themselves is so being able to sit down and tell them, I know right now is hard, but you can do this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to see the buy-in from them. And I think because there are less of them right now, that is allowing me that more one-on-one time with them. My small groups are three kids. Yeah. Where traditional small group is five to six. So it's allowing me to... So they, so yeah, getting their buy-in and then is that translating to, because you're particularly interested in the foundational mm-hmm. reading skills, like you're seeing games mm-hmm. there, you're seeing the... I mean, we're, we're not there, but I see them connecting the pieces at this point. You're mm-hmm. starting to see that. And believing they can do it. Exactly. And that's the first thing. Every yeah. baby needs to believe they can do it. And so you just, honestly, the first few weeks, you're just yeah. teaching them to love themselves and know they can do it. How do you do that? How do you imagine I'm a kid in your classroom? How do you teach me to believe in myself and love myself? So we identify. So I'm going to use a child as an example, something another teacher told me yesterday. So I had a student last year, and I I do it this year, and I do it every year. Um, I show I'm human, Mm -hmm. right? So I personally was not able to read until third grade myself. And I say that right out in front of the open to them. Day one, if you struggle with reading... Okay, it's all right, mm-hmm. but I need you to be transparent, and I need you to tell me. And I said, and then I proceed to tell them, you can do this. Yeah, I know you can. I, I I've done it, and you can do it, and we're gonna do it together. And you are going to blow yourself away. And so I just I practice that all year, no matter what we're doing. You can see it in a child's eyes when they're frustrated or they feel like they're not gonna succeed, and you just have to stop whatever you're doing and say. I know it's hard, but you can do it. Yeah. And they, you see it. They start to believe it. And the student that I had last year went to um, one of my coworkers, actually a brand new teacher, and said, Miss Igor is so great to me. And he was like, oh, well, that's nice. You know, why? And he said, because she's the first person that said, you know, 
child's name. You can't really read, but I know you can, and we're going to learn. And then this teacher said to me that he reads every single day, every single day in class. And I can't help but get emotional because he came in and he would have his head down, and now his head is up, and I... I love him. And so he comes and sees me every day. Sorry. <laughs> That's beautiful. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. But when he said that I told him he couldn't read, or didn't tell me the rest. The teacher did not tell me the rest. And I was like, oh, that's horrible. And then he was like, no, because she told me I couldn't, but told me I could. And we worked on it. And I just, that's why I teach. Yeah, gotcha. That's why I do it. That was, that was going to be one of my next questions is, as a non-teacher, watching from the outside watching Mm -hmm. what you all have to go through especially Mm -hmm. this year um you know i think it's a natural question to ask why do you keep doing this you know what and so that that was it's for children like that and it's moments like that that's that's, it and the honest truth is is with the way today is in 22 children you've got 20 you need to build Mm -hmm. two of them come in and they're you know they're confident but you've got 20 that you if you could just spend nine months with them and Mm -hmm. show them love and show them you know your personal commitment to them they build their own personal commitment and it's just I I fall in love with them I tell them they're my babies forever so So what are you most proud of four weeks in granted (sighs) but like what are you if the school year ended tomorrow what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? The way that my um, peers and my faculty and my administration have all pulled together. We're a family, Mm -hmm. and that has been a long time coming. Um, The way that every single thing that has been hurdled at us, we have come up with a plan. We've worked together. Personally, um, I was voted Teacher of the Year at Citrus Congratulations! Thank you. That is fantastic. Um, And I am the Teacher Engagement Ambassador this year for our school. And I love our new teachers. We have 18 new teachers, and I just love hanging out with them and being their support system. And let's see. That's... What if, what is the advice you give to those new teachers, especially this year? What are you saying to them? I mean, I, I can only imagine there have been times when they have doubted whether they can do this mm-hmm. or whether they want to keep going, right? I mean, it's a hard job, let alone. Mm-hmm. And then what do you say to them? You are not alone. You're not. A teacher who's been teaching 18 years, and I know that for my friend Heather, a teacher who's been, you know, 18 years, I'm four and you're one, we may all have the same question mm-hmm. and never be embarrassed to ask mm-hmm. because if I don't know the answer, let's go find it together. If you don't know the answer, it's okay. Mm-hmm. We are students as well. And so I tell them this and I say my door is always open and I just, I, I feel very blessed to be in the situation that I'm in. Yeah. You said at the beginning that the the point of this podcast is to tell people's stories. So we are much more than the pandemic and our current mm-hmm. um, challenges and how we're reacting to things currently. So I wanted to go back just to, you mentioned at the beginning that prior to this, you were working in a job and that mm-hmm. this was a chance to have a career. And mm-hmm. I just, I was curious what that prior job was. I'm always curious about people who make um career changes and whether Mm -hmm. anything carries over if you learned anything from your prior work or or even as a mother what Mm -hmm. you bring into your classroom because you're bringing your your the sum of your life experiences and who you are as a person and so I'm just Mm -hmm. curious like 
So I um, I got a degree at University of Central Florida for okay. communication disorders, um, and I had a double minor in deaf studies and ASL studies. So I just knew I was going to become a speech pathologist, and um, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter the day I graduated. Wow. So and she's my youngest, and so I decided, okay, I don't want to go for my master's. What can I do that'll get me home? And so um, I started working for Disney, mm-hmm. you know, right down the block, and I was a um, server and so a a table server Mm -hmm. and I did that for many years and when you think about how do things change over servers have to multitask Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. and if you don't remember this over here you forget that over there and you've got a lot to do and I think that that has been very beneficial Mm -hmm. in teaching because it is always multitasking it is always going Um, something I didn't think about when I became a teacher was how you have children all day and then you go home and you have children all night (laughs) but but after about a couple of months I was like okay all right I've got my groove now yeah one thing so you you were a little later in life I if I gather, if yeah. I'm understanding a timeline the right, mm-hmm. right, when, before you kind of found what seems to be your purpose and your mm-hmm. passion, right? And so I think a lot of our young people really struggle with that. I mean, in our society, there is a pressure to know mm-hmm. what you're going to do. What do you want to be when you're when you grow up? You are asked that from you know the, as soon as you can understand exactly. that question, right? So. Yes. What would you what do you say to what would you say to students who are maybe not sure what they want to do or what the next step is or so I I, I wouldn't say that I'm very traditional in that manner. Um, I have a very supportive husband in the sense of emotional and what I should do. And um, we both agree that when you come out of school find a way if that's if and, and college would hopefully but college isn't for everybody mm-hmm. trade school so coming out if you don't know find something to be passionate about other than a job mm-hmm. and work and then you know if you if you wake up and you're not happy it's it's time to look and i had started not being so happy at work i just what am i doing mm-hmm. kind of thing and an opportunity presented itself. And so I feel that something will speak to you. Yes, I was 34. Yeah, I was 34 when I decided. Mm-hmm. And so. Do you remember the moment that teaching, you were volunteering at your children's mm-hmm. school, you were there a lot, but was there mm-hmm. like a moment where it spoke to you that you can remember where you're like, I'm going to do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there was. So there was a time when a teacher had pretty much walked out from Citrus Ridge. Mm-hmm. It was it was a rough beginning year, um, and they walked out. And I remember at the time I had now become a sub because I was trying to fill in when they needed help. And I remember I went upstairs, and one of the kids that I had bonded with, just being around the school, said, "Miss Igor, did you hear that?" Blah blah blah. Left, and I said, "Yes." And she was like, "That's our second teacher." And my heart broke. And I thought, these people who are coming and going aren't realizing that these children are feeling like they've been quit on. Like, you've quit Mm -hmm. on them. You haven't quit a job. Mm -hmm. Like, when you do this. And I remember thinking to myself, enough is enough. And I went downstairs, and um, Chris Newman-Lake was the ELA at the time, or the LEA at the time. 
And I went down and I said, how do I become a teacher? Mm -hmm. I remember I went from the third floor because our school is very tall. I went from the third floor all the way down to her office. And I said, how do I do this? And she said, let me get you some information. And I, I mean, I started, I think I made that night, I went on and I signed up for my, um, my course testing with Pearson View. Wow. Yeah. But he said it. I was just like. The um, kind of the, the thesis of this podcast is that everyone who is associated with this organization in some way gives something to it. And so Christy Igor, as former parent, <laughs> of, current parent, but formerly <laughs> yes. of, a, of a PCPS right. student, um, current teacher, what do you think, in your opinion, what do you contribute to PCPS? Um, I contribute heart and passion and a support system for parents. I'm, you know, when you send your child to school, I'm like, I am there for them. I'm there for their child. And so I just feel that I add a sense of love and compassion and understanding. And through all of that, I get to teach them. And that is my gift, being able to give them something that they will have forever. Christy Igor, the 2020 Teacher of the Year at Citrus Ridge yeah. Civics Academy, who contributes <laughs> love and caring and kindness to our it's students. Nice. We yeah. thank you for what you do, and thank you for being on our show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Did you change careers to become a teacher, para, or bus driver? Do you remember the moment when you knew a career in education was right for you? Are you a PCPS alumnus who remembers the teacher who made you believe you were capable of great things? Are you a student who is already putting your K-12 education to work in our community? We all have a story to tell, and those stories are part of what makes PCPS great. Tell us yours. To be a guest or to nominate someone you know to be featured on The People of PCPS, fill out the form posted online at polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the People of PCPS podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or watch online at the Polk County Public Schools YouTube channel. To learn more about the People of PCPS and other Polk County Public Schools podcasts, visit polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts.